0: Hi, everyone. It's Oral Hygiene, where we talk about documentaries, experimental, experimental films, (laughs) (laughs) moment films. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just so I'd make up words. This one's a documentary. That's right. I I could have stopped after documentary. I didn't even have to say the other words. It's Matt here. There's Andrew there. Hi. We're talking about George Carlin's American Dream. Yes. Oh, it just told me a, your message. It says you're connecting to audio. That was late. Okay. I just, <laughs> I just got that message from 11 minutes ago. A little bit of technical stuff at the top of the show. Yeah, no my worry. computer, if you don't plug it in in five minutes, just go like, go screw yourself. Do you get like an hour of battery? No. And do you get a warning? No. It's like, <laughs> you're gone. It's called a day. But I, I didn't call it a day. I waited for my computer to take forever to turn back on. And here we are. I,
1: I waited, too, for the record.
0: You did wait. Thank you for your patience. I mean, it's oh, no problem. It's one of my best virtues. This is a good one for me to just sit around screaming like a angry old man, right? This is <laughs> like this is like angry old man, the movie, but in like the best way possible.
1: Well, I, I guess so. Uh, it's actually t- George Carlin's American Dream is two movies. True. It uh, makes it makes a. It makes a like a three and a half hour movie total, I think, but they break it up into like a two hour part A
0: and then a 90 minute part B. I don't even understand how things work anymore. Was it like stream on two different days or was it on like someone's actual TV or what? Uh, Well, here in the United States, it premiered on HBO Max
1: and it was in two parts, but it all was released at the same time. So I think uh, you it's safe to, to call it a
0: single movie. Yeah,
1: they um they split it up that way, but it was all released at once, and uh, but you couldn't watch it. Like if something comes out on streaming, usually that means three a.m. So you get west coast and east coast basically at the same time. Nobody sees it early, but then um, this was different because we waited for the day, and then it's like, oh, it premieres at eight o'clock tonight. So you had to, so it's airing on HBO channel coincided with when it dropped onto the streaming service. So you know, wait, it was, I don't know.
0: Mm. Who's watching what the channel? That? Who watches the channel at this point?
1: People who like spending hundreds of dollars on cable TV. I don't know. I've not been one of them in well over a decade. I cut cable in 2008.
0: Okay. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good segue for me. If, if you were spending 300 bucks on HBO every, every month on cable and you were and you spent another 12 bucks for your TV guide subscription. What does it say for this one? <laughs>
1: this is a 2022 a documentary uh, chronicling the entire career of George Carlin, who's considered one of the greatest comedians to ever live. And it is directed by uh, Judd Apatow. And um, rather than having the typical Carlin talking head A bunch of comedians patting each other on the back and talking about his influence sort of deal, like the 40 years of comedy special or other things that you've seen about Carlin in the past. This one really goes in about his family and friends. So you hear from people that you're not going to you've never heard from in other Carlin documentaries really before. So that's kind of the the angle of it is to be as exhaustive as possible. And to use all of HBO's resources, which is vast, considering he did all fourteen of his comedy specials, and really kind of pioneered the genre of comedy special
0: uh, at HBO. Yeah, what was it the first one? It's like no one even knew what to call it. It was like he's he's talking on HBO for an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean they built it as a concert of some sort, um, but it was yeah they they show all of that stuff. And if you're familiar with the specials, they've been available in various formats for decades. Um, but what this movie really kind of how it sets itself apart is it shows you like um, before and after uh, edits and stuff like that. When he's just kind of on set, messing around some sound check things, it shows him rehearsing the one hour um, in front of just random crowds on VHS and things like that. So it's a, it's about as it's about as inside Carlin as you can get without reading one of the books written about him, either by Sally Wade, his uh, widow, or by um, his daughter
0: um, Kelly. I just read "Brain Dropping," so I guess that doesn't count. I think that probably is where I really got on board with Carlin, because uh, you know, being of our vintage, I I know for me, I first saw him in Bill and Ted. Right? That's you know, who's who's the old guy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He was.
1: uh, Oh, gosh, I hate that. I can't remember his name. Felix, something like that. I don't know.
0: Rufus. Rufus. I was close. (laughs) It was a cartoon cat of a kind. Yeah. okay. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that was my which is a very subdued Carlin. And I, I think my next stop. Yeah, I think my dad picked up brain droppings, right? Mm hmm. I mean that was the whole thing that that they say in the, the movie is like hey here's here's this dirty guy that my dad's into which i guess a lot well you you there are lots of dirty guys your dad was into but
1: <laughs> yeah that i had to say that, uh, i watched george carlin specials um with my dad just because honestly he reminded me so much of george carlin like there there was a there was even like a carlin joke book that i don't think is considered one of his books um but it was more like a novelty book uh and um, we had it just around the house and it was just it was like something you'd pick up it was about the size of like a map or something it was weird and random I don't know if I still have it I may have sold it on eBay but it was uh um it was full of his little jokes and stuff so it was uh well we read it all the time we just thought it was hilarious
0: yeah we 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 didn't have HBO grown-ups so I never saw the the comedy specials and uh at my aunt's i I guess that wasn't quite on our radar. We were always like targeting what movies can we record while we're up there, you know? So sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, the,
1: the Carlin concerts were a big event and you actually didn't have to watch them on HBO. They did on
0: pay-per-view also like a, like a boxing match. Yeah. You still had a table though.
2: Huh? Yeah. No, that's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause uh, 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 I'm wondering if I caught him on some of the, uh, cause I know I was watching some of the, um, you know, comedy stand up comedy shows in the early nineties. They show on like, Normal TV.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's likely you saw jamming in New York or what am I doing in New Jersey? Because um, by that time, um, I was buying cassettes and didn't have to worry about the s- advisory stickers and stuff. So I was, uh yeah, I was buying comedy albums by that point.
0: Yeah, but the late nineties, I think, I was starting to play some of his albums and and probably the more contemporaneous ones. I have a weird thing where um the albums on most of most of Carlin's are most familiar with are the ones around the year 2000 you know ah. following up on the ones after that, and kind of slowly going backwards into until I finally hit the beginning of the 70s. Oh gosh, those are <laughs> I have to say those are my favorites.
1: Um not like the uh Bill Laszlo and Wally Lando like when he was still clean but um like I, AMFM or Yeah, AMFM Class Clown uh those are the ones that were I mean, I just, I don't know. I love those the most. Um, Playing With Your Head, um, Toledo Window Box, like all those Little David ones from those early times. Um, I think it started for me to kind of, I mean, he, the Angry George Carlin I liked as a teenager, but the older I got, the less I sort of enjoyed it because I was starting to hear, uh, there were, you know, people were sort of co-opting that rhetoric you know, on the far right side and the free speech people and all this stuff, and it was well, like- there's a the
0: thing where a lot of that, where some things are being attributed to him that he never said, as well. well absolutely, <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: he had a running thing on his website, right, that would track that stuff. So um, it would be like, what's the latest wrong thing, and it would be on his on his
0: newsfeed on George Carlin's website. I mean, certainly said a few things himself that probably wouldn't go down so well on a, a stage now. Who, no, maybe they should. I don't know. But <laughs> well,
1: and that's odd because the movie doesn't really sort of touch on that. Um, it's one of those docs where not to skip to the end, but when the person that it's about passes away. The movie pretty much ends there it doesn't go on to talk about the legacy because we're sort of all familiar with that that's why we tuned in you know
0: yeah i mean i, I guess uh, that is an important thing because well they do mention somewhere in the doc where someone's like you know whenever something happens these days like what would what would carlin have said about it but
1: oh gosh I, you know i have my times when i'm like not sure i'd want to know because i i'm not sure where he would land I mean, the same thing we mentioned bill hicks in uh one of the other episodes we were on, it may have been a Twilight Zone episode, but, um, you know, kind of knowing uh, Bill's penchant for uh, conspiracies and UFOs and things like that, you know, like, I'm, I I wish he was around, but I am kind of would be afraid to know where he would land if he was around.
0: I don't know. I have a penchant for conspiracies and UFOs, but <laughs> well, sure. one th- what, what, I mean, my credo is sort of, I don't believe in anything. Right. So if someone wants to talk about the flat earth for an hour to me, I'll listen. I'm not going to sure. believe in it because I'm not going to believe in anything. That, that's where in the past few years now it's like, oh, you got to believe in science. I'm like, well, I don't believe in anything.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, I, I think Carlin was seen as this bastion of uh, logic, yeah. you know, just like this airtight logic. And he was left leaning. Uh, and so um, he, yeah, a hero to a lot of people when he began addressing, uh, politics and, um, culture and society and all of this other. Um, but then he became sort of, a, uh, sort of like a misanthrope, you know, and he had the whole, one of his tours was called, I kind of like it when a lot of people die. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, you, you hear that on, on the one hand, but then you go, well, it was that, was he like that in real life? And, uh, I can't remember if the documentary goes into that or not, but I know through the lens of his daughter Kelly, um, at least in one of her books or podcasts, she talks about how, you know, he he wasn't really that hundred percent hardcore as
0: he was on stage. No, he- it's yeah, talking about his neighbors feeling like uh, I think maybe it's her citing the neighbors being like, uh, oh, it's like the a little boy lives next to us or something. <laughs> yeah, like it did seem like he just saved his bile for the stage and spit it out there, which honestly sounds extremely fun <laughs> i was gonna say
1: it's pretty punk rock but um so what did you think how much did you know about his career prior to um growing his hair out and growing his beard i
0: always assumed like that was stuff to avoid you know ah. like i knew i knew it existed i knew that he kind of one day was like i'm tired of doing this crap and change gears but i I'd actually one thing that i guess the doc was kind of good for was showing some of the clips from beforehand, and I was like, "Oh, actually, this stuff's still kind of funny." It is, I mean, yeah. It's, it it's, is. it's not, it's not like counterculture. It's not like incendiary, but it's definitely funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, Richard
1: Pryor started out the same way. Um, oh, yeah, it, that
0: scene with him and Pryor on the set of uh, the what, what show was it, in '67 or '68? I can't remember, like, but like, Pryor didn't, scene, didn't see as much. Yeah, being very milk toast, but just I mean, they both said a little bit, and you're like, "This feels really weird." Because it was these weird, are like. Yeah. Now you know, these are guys known for saying things to Ralph, thing, people up in here. They really are just kind of playing the game. Yeah, and one thing they never did with Car that
1: that Pryor did was he uh, they released a a double album called Evolution Revolution, and so it just was different bits from various points inside in of uh, uh, Richard Pryor's career but a lot of them were rarities and things like that and unreleased stuff. So you really got to hear the very first recorded set he ever did all the way through one of the very last recorded sets he ever did. So it was that, that was always like one of my favorite go-to albums, but Carlin didn't really have that so much. Um, But this documentary gives you as close to that, I think as you're going to get. So were you like as engaged in the first two hours as you, as you were um, in the rest of it when he became the carlin that you kind of knew and were waiting for
0: actually i will go with the first parts probably probably was more interesting um like like a, I think i said to you at first where i didn't i didn't have to, it was out for a month before i got around to watching it right and i was like well sure. i just because li- I, I drive around li- i still listen to his albums in the car and i just listened to several of his albums in the car i'm like well why do i need to bother with the documentary because i i just literally listen to like five carlin albums right sure and um and the second one you know has more of that because yeah it did i mean maybe it was alternate versions but i was like oh yeah i did just listen to a lot of this stuff yeah so, yeah and the first one just for being stuff i didn't you know know as well and, and that's not that's not you know keep in mind the first part does cover the 70s so it does <laughs> it's not like we're not doing prime carlin there yeah
1: no no but his career certainly had a i mean i felt like they split it up in the
0: right spot oh yeah yeah i was actually kind of interesting how little acting he actually did because like i said i first saw him in the bill of 10 movies and then he showed up in those kevin smith movies so i was like yeah george carlin shows up on screen but that's about all of it
1: <laughs> yeah he had a very small role in the movie car wash which was an ensemble movie anyway and actually i i, I don't have you ever seen car wash Is uh
0: it- I, I, maybe once a while ago
1: yeah, I, I think it might be Joel Schumacher. I can't remember, but it is great. I mean, I
0: want to. I think, no, 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 it's, it's, uh, isn't early Zemeckis? I don't know. I don't okay, remember not, now. Not, now I got to check. Okay. One of these guys.
1: <laughs> either way, Car Wash is, was it one of those movies where they had a lot of comedian, uh, Richard Pryor's in it too, but also not very much. Um, Carl and I think's a cab driver or something, and uh, Pryor's a, a preacher or something, but um they're neither one of uh, both of them are on the cover but neither of them have very much screen time but uh carlin from my understanding wanted to be an actor like that was what he wanted to do
0: and yeah, he was yeah uh, yeah they can kind of, at least they make it they make it relatively clear from that uh oh okay we're, we're all wrong directed by michael schultz okay screenplay is joel schumacher so you're ah, closer okay. Than I am. okay okay michael schultz bill duke george carlin a bunch of names I don't know. The Pointer Sisters. Garrett Morris. Okay, there's somebody. Yeah. Tons of people in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh,
1: and it's fun to watch. Like you see, like where movies like Friday got their kind of the way they handle an ensemble um from that. I think he is good
0: on I, I guess, like, they kind of point out, though, when he is on screen acting, he, he's very hammy. Like, he's very much, like, sinking his teeth into it very obviously. Except in oh, Bill sure. and Ted, where he takes the opposite approach, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they, you know, they had to. You know, it's not the George Carlin show. Rufus.
0: Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is, I, I think he definitely was a guy, like, fit for the stage. Uh, they, yeah. they make it clear that basically... You know, usually a comedian is like choose a comedian you like and just imitate them until you find your own voice. And, and yeah. they kind of make it clear, like um, George Carlin and Groucho Marx are two guys that kind of just came out from nowhere doing their own thing, having taught themselves how to do it.
1: Yep. Yeah. Did, um, was there anything that like surprised you about either his history or his like later life that was seemed to like maybe you know I don't know maybe uh, sort of either transcend or or uh, change your perception of him?
0: um i mean you know they they talk about his actual family life and stuff which of course is has per- i mean it, it, it all kind of washes out relatively positive in the end of, of course there were some serious problems with alcoholism cocaine and so forth and you know yeah. all of that but but it wasn't like that you know the the family like shattered apart and, and never you know it actually did kind of seem to follow a through line to to the end so yeah like, like yeah. I, I didn't know George Carmen basically was only basically married twice and the second time as a widower. So, you know, yeah. it seems like someone, oh, he's probably got eight wives or something, you know?
1: <laughs> no. Although he did run around on his wife a little bit during the crazy years. Uh, run yeah, around Cocaine's on a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but there, who knows? Yeah. Um, They were just, it was kind of an all over the place sort of a time. But like you said, nothing that shattered the family or anything. Um, And uh, I I was, as a fan, I was very, very satisfied with it. You know, I've consumed anything and everything George Carlin from a young age. And so I had a lot sort of writing on this um, because I felt like the definitive uh, piece on George Carlin had never been made and was likely going to stay in uh, book form. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was, uh, just exhaustive and, you know, I never, I'm, I'm so happy that, um, that was done at HBO because I can't imagine it being done by anyone else. And I think, uh, just the fact that they lent all those hours of stuff of footage of Carlin, you know, I'd really love to know more about how long it took them to put it together because there's a guy who is well-documented in his time and uh, also well revered in his time so he did get to you know he did get to see um, himself celebrated you know many times over
0: yeah and, and the extent of his uh, health problems you know that I didn't really realize it encompassed basically the last 15 years of his life or so you know yeah, yeah. Uh, but no. he, he did like, like Kelly points out he became a very old-looking man very quickly <laughs> yeah
1: and you know I thought the life is worth losing album was going to be the last one, not just from the title, but on the cover of it, he's got his finger up like this, you know, and it's a black and white and he's looking really old. And it seemed to me when I picked it up, it was like, this mean this is the last one. I've got one more, but then he comes out with it's bad for you. And he looks like someone who's got cancer. I mean, uh, he's very puffy, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Carl uh, Kelly mentioned this in the book or in the documentary, but, he basically um he <laughs> he was like dying while he was
0: recording that yeah it's like three months after that is when he, he actually you know he looked out, took took the final exit yeah <laughs> but but did he do modern man on that one though that was the previous one i think that was okay the, i because I, I, I uh it, what, what is it um
1: he still opened with something really like for as sick as he was and as old as he was.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, was 2005. So still definitely not, you know, like okay, yeah. a dude like in his best health at that point. Yeah. Watered man is insane. Oh you know? yeah. I mean, just trying to think, how do you remember all of that? You know, I can barely you remember have to my be name. George Carlin or you don't. <laughs> That's, that's the thing that I, can say. I guess that's the thing that I mean, of course, the wit is very impressive, but the thing that really gets me is how do you remember that sort of stuff? You know, it's yeah. just like wild, <laughs> yeah. No, he, uh, I
1: mean, it, I'm sure the analogy has been made, but it, it really was sort of like a uh, virtuoso, you know, but instead of on an instrument, he was, you know, words were
0: his his notes, and it's so it's bad. P is kind of weird because I've, um. I've heard it several times, but I've never watched it. i just listened to it. So I, I oh. think that that's one thing with Carlin. Like, um, I'm looking at the discography here. Um, you are all disease, complaints and grievances. Life is worth losing. It's bad for you. I've listened to all of those. I uh-huh. haven't really watched them. I, of course, I had a little bit in the documentary. Of course, yeah. I've seen them on as what is it, the Gravestone set talking about you're not part of the club thing and video because that gets done everywhere. But mm-hmm. But um, in general, I'm used to listening to his later stuff. I wonder if that's a big difference for me that I'm not that I don't associate him with like this, like, you know, super aging dude when I watched him. I'm just uh, hearing the voice.
1: Yeah, I I've just, you know, I've listened to the albums, but I've seen also the specials so much that, you know, part of Carlin's great humor was the faces that he would make, I think. And yeah. Uh, you you know it's fine hearing the performance on album and you do get it but there's an added dimension and not just like just the visual aspect of seeing him physically but just what the what his expressions and his eyeballs and little things he does uh because he was such a ham you know right, um, right. it makes those those specials really great um and uh yeah he he uh just facial expressions that he made and just the way his tone of voice would do things i mean yeah it was like it was always kind of like watching my dad in a way especially when his hair was gray and he had the ponytail oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it was it was uh, really surreal um and how much he would curse so so do you have a favorite album or, or special Oh, yeah, I think so. I'm probably going to go Carlin at Carnegie because Carnegie was the one. I think he had just had a heart attack uh, before that one, and it was like a sort of a comeback thing. It's a good mix of the observational, goofy George Carlin and that biting um, social satire and uh, commentary That would later be the majority of what he would do, and he would just, you know, intermittently just, you know, say, "Oh, now time for some dick jokes," or "Now time for some fart jokes." Just, just to,
0: just uh, an album land. This would be a place for my stuff, basically. Uh, I mean that—that's Carnegie, is it? No, a place for my stuff is a separate album. Right, but time period. I mean.
1: Yeah. Cause Carnegie, I don't think is an album. So maybe you're, yeah, I think you're right. It okay. would be, it's just, it's just a, it's a happy medium. So you get the Carlin that you like from the later years, but you also get the Carlin from the, the early years too. He's sort of trying out the angry stuff, but it's not quite just like these tirades. It's more of just like, damn, he's so right. and It's so perfectly worded. So, yeah, Carnegie, I think, Carlin Carnegie, I think, is my favorite.
0: I do like how they um, pulled out in the documentary the, the line how it's actually quite a zen cone where, you know, my stuff is stuff, but your stuff is shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: God, it's so true. And the, the tiny version of your stuff when you – he does this whole thing about you you go on vacation, but then you go stay a couple nights at somebody else's house. So it's like you keep getting smaller and smaller versions of your stuff
0: the same time, hey, like, hey, you, you, um, entitled prick. I've never been to Maui. No one's invited me to Maui. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, for me, it's all it's all to serve the the point, which is the joke. And uh, I, to me, um, you know, it's always between. Put it this way, if you ask George Carlin, who's the funniest person, he'd say Richard Pryor and Pryor would say it was it was george and i love when that's mentioned anytime because it's that that thing is mentioned often um because it really comes down to uh what humor you like the best um because you know richard was self-deprecating and less analytical but it was also deeply personal and i don't know that carlin necessarily ever went there
0: um in his, no, you know, he kept his masks on more or less, right? I mean, that's yeah. a big part of the doc. Like, you really don't know this guy because he was such a pro at putting this persona up on stage. Yeah, so that wasn't his his style. Like his, wasn't his, it might have been his views, but as far as, like, how he acted, that that was a stage act through and through.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a smart move to keep that separation. You know, that way you, you kind of know who you are and who you aren't. Um, But I, yeah, I always tend toward, as much as I love Carlin, I tend toward Richard Pryor just because of his gift for characters, you know, and that's where just hearing it rather than seeing it comes in because um, Richard Pryor, I prefer to actually listen to rather than watch unless he's an actor in a movie, because it's, you forget you're listening to one person do all these characters. There's a, Oh God, it's after hours or craps. I can't remember which one, but he goes through this entire club in Peoria, Illinois, where he was from and just visits each person. And he doesn't know how funny he is yet. Like he's trying to keep it all in his head because he's got his routine going, but the audience you can tell is just being absolutely blown away by him and he doesn't even know it. (laughs) And so uh, I guess the movie, which way is up, you kind of got to see some of them, but you know, it was just him and makeup. So it's not quite the same, but uh, yeah. So that might be, my favorite Carlin would be um, the, the, Carlin at Carnegie spe- special, and then, yeah, with, with Pryor. Oh God,
0: that's a whole other podcast.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, we we can't get through this all without mentioning him, but we we don't. Sure, really yeah. To, well, because that's to...
1: always the question: Prince or Michael Jackson,
0: George <laughs> Carlin or Richard Pryor? So. Right. So, where where does Lenny Bruce figure in? He kind of like invented the method, but maybe his jokes didn't age that well. Uh... <laughs> Lenny
1: Bruce, Bruce was almost just from another planet. You know, he crossed the line, or, or rather, towed the line between art and comedy. Um, you know, uh, famously, George Carlin was arrested at one of Lenny Bruce's shows when they ran everybody in uh, from the audience, um, and uh, of course, uh, you know, Lenny famously like told George Carlin he was a schmuck. <laughs> because he couldn't believe why he thought it was cool to get arrested with Lenny Bruce. (laughs) What's your problem? Idiot. But like, no, Lenny Bruce had to be the first one to sort of, um, you know, to, to get busted and harassed for all this stuff. He really kind of paved the way for them. uh, And his life was in ruins because of how much he was sued and put in jail. I mean, Lenny Bruce is, Bob Fosse made that great movie about him. I was about
0: to say, I it. wonder how much that actually kind of screwed up his reputation because in that movie, Dustin Hoffman is good, but he's mm-hmm. not even slightly funny. <laughs> and I, I don't know if a lot of people have. Well, honestly, there's just very there's there's not a lot of video of Lenny Bruce. That's why I'm saying the movie might have done him a bit of a disservice because Dustin Hoffman is not a comedian and cannot deliver comedy. He can act well, but yeah, Yeah.
1: no, those scenes were no Lenny Bruce. I have the buyer beware um, box set. It's great, Um, but I a lot of people because of the recording quality and because of how quickly Lenny Bruce's mind moves uh, can't even understand what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never really keyed in. I, I think also um, the other reason I brought him up is you were talking about how Richard Pryor is like more personal, whereas yeah. Lenny Bruce might be a little bit too personal in that he spends a lot of time kind of not complaining. He's making jokes about a situation, but you kind of have to be keyed into that, like in the moment, you know, to really uh, follow. There,
1: yeah, there's a lot of cultural references and pop cultural references to be specific in Lenny Bruce's material that people might just like, what are you talking about? And again, it doesn't help that he goes so fast either, and the recording quality, again, is not great, but um, he did, as he got, as he began to get arrested and all of that started taking him over, he did kind of stop making jokes and would just, I, I think at one point he was reading his court transcripts on stage rather than doing any comedy at all. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, I think that's a, that was the last time I tried to watch him. of San Francisco right near the end of his yeah, life, yeah. and he's just sitting there with the book, like, reading stuff, mm-hmm. and isn't this absurd... Well, I guess, but yeah, Yeah, there was there was no precedent for a
1: guy like him. You know, he could try to get on TV, but um, what he wanted to do, they're just, you know, nobody did it yet. And so he paid the price so that, yeah, folks like George Carlin, who did get arrested and same thing with Richard Pryor, but um, for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, but Lenny Bruce, he in, in his life, he paid the price. For it. And so he was a hero to Carlin, especially.
0: Yeah, definitely, you know, some inspiration there for, you know, kind of bucking up against the system. It's just sometimes, especially with like with Carlin, like it and prior, it's just like you're going to laugh at that stuff, like no question. Whereas Bruce is almost like a little more of like a scholarly endeavor these days. Hmm. Yeah. You, it's not so visceral, maybe.
1: Yeah. It helps to kind of know the time period a bit, you know. But some of the stuff he does, God, have you heard the airplane glue one, Lenny Bruce?
0: Um, it's not ringing a bell because okay, okay. I honestly when I here here's the thing with me and comedy. I have this old iPad like with the touch wheel, and the touch wheel doesn't work. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't cook up to my computer anymore, so I can't like update. It just lives in my car now, right? And that's mm-hmm. where I listen to comedy. So what I have on there is most of George Carlin's albums, all of Bill Hicks's albums. Uh, a couple of Richard Pryor albums, a couple of Patton Oswald albums, a couple of David Cross albums. That's it. I can't really add anything to it. That's, that's the comedy I listen to because I can't, I can't alter the iPod anymore.
1: <laughs> well, if you can, I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. Uh, two Lenny Bruce bits that I feel are still hilarious now. And you can understand them and the recordings are at least good for that. One is uh, Airplane Glue and the other one is the um, Airplane Bomber.
0: Mm-mm. so Lenny Bruce and airplanes is a winning combination is what you're saying
1: well they may be part of the same bit I don't <laughs> even remember but I mean they're hilarious they're really hilarious and you you think about when he was doing it and what was going on at the time I mean it's just you kind of gotta just be, kind of marvel at the fact that it happened you know right Right. Mm-hmm. these people were you know blessed and cursed kind of all at once
0: so where do you want to put your comedy chips these days? Who's doing it?
1: Um my favorite stand up uh I still do watch uh Dave Chappelle um but I yeah I don't get the whole punching down on transgender thing that he's doing. For my money the funniest person alive is Mike Epps.
0: Oh right okay yeah sorry had had a slight tweak there but i can go with that (laughs) yeah i'm uh, just thinking i haven't watched any like stand-up comedy recently it's partly probably living in japan you know it's not going to be on the tv uh the comedies tend not to play in the theaters here so comedy and we put most of our comedy in just like normal movies these days right we barely need the comedies it seems
1: yeah yes and no i mean you don't have i'm not
0: saying they do it well i'm just saying it's there you know
1: yeah they don't the, the as the age of the movie star continues to disappear and shrink um yeah you're not seeing quite as much of that however great really funny movies still are made but you got the one or two people that are agreed upon that could you know bring people into a theater for that as far as comedy concert movies martin lawrence was to me the last one that was really doing them um and i went to see um Both of his, or maybe all, maybe there was three because it was You So Crazy and Run till That. Maybe those are the only two. I feel like I'm missing one in between, but uh, no, Mike Epps is just hysterically funny. Um, I don't always agree with the jokes that he makes in terms of I don't laugh at them, but um, as far as George Carlin level stuff goes, Hannah Gadsby probably is the person putting it down on a like next level transcendent like really transforming what my idea of what could be comedy um hannah gadsby is the one that I, for for my money is uh like if if someone's like who do you want to go see live it would definitely be um hannah gadsby
0: okay uh, i'm just because i i at this point i have like zero knowledge of that sort of thing because i barely, very i haven't even barely been in the states and george carlin died right so <laughs> right that was t-
1: 2008 so yeah
0: I, I do find like the um the the thing lost in translation until the end of time is stand up comedy because I've even had like like here's a, a British comedian and, and there's some little cultural dissonance and I, I just don't quite get it sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah, um I believe that Hannah Gadsby is from New Zealand, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, but it's just I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know who I'd compare it to. She really transformed comedy for me. But as far as like joke, 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 Mike Epps to me is just the funniest part. I mean, let's put it this way. Netflix has this one uh, special. It was like Snoop Dogg's Comedy Night or something like that. It came out this year and he was the host and he just brought on a few comedians. Mike Epps was the headliner. And I'm telling you, Mike Epps, his spot is maybe 10, 15 minutes at most. And I paused it at least five times because I couldn't breathe. I was crying. I was just like, he, I mean, he's, I just like him. I don't know why. Even his movies, the Meet the Blacks movies,
0: I love him. He just, actually he ended up one, Shaws, his Shaw's show. One thing I did play right after watching the Carlin documentary was, um, Actually, a few of Rodney Dangerfields, like late 70s, early 80s uh, Tonight Show spots. Yeah. I feel like he was the last person coming out and just doing like joke, 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 joke. You know, I mean, I mean, prior and Carlin had evolved it, but then Dangerfield was just like, I own this so hard. Like, I oh, yeah, 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 Uh, he um,
1: he just had a had a response for everything. And it was just like he could
0: turn anything into the best joke you ever heard. But I was just thinking, you know, because Carlin will start with stories or, or something like Bill Hicks and they'll kind of weave and there's a follow through or, you know, someone like Dangerfield is just like, boom, boom, boom. There's barely any connection, you know, I mean, it's all funny, but it's yeah. just um, and, and, and he's all delivery. I don't think he actually wrote most of his jokes. He was just like, I can go and deliver joke after joke with like little to no context.
1: I do want to make sure we mention uh, Mitch Hedberg because I felt like Mitch Hedberg had uh, a hybrid old George Carlin and Stephen Wright kind of a style. I saw him at the 40 watt club. And um, the only reason I went was because I'd seen one of his t-shirts at the merch table that said rice is great when you're hungry and want hundreds of something. (laughs) And I was like, that's really funny. And uh, he, this is a guy who I think had, two albums and then he was dead like he died not long after he played Athens Was drugs but man the guy like really if you like that joke joke kind of thing and eh, he he was doing it I mean he's like one of the most quotable modern why well, I shouldn't say modern, because I believe he died in the early 2000s but one of the most quotable young comedians to ever come out since
0: those days all right yeah. I guess that's the whole point though. You want, you want to be an old comedian eventually so you can make your grumpy old man albums. <laughs> yeah. No, but Mitch is golden.
1: I mean, he, um, it's like, we'll put it this way. People that know who he is really love him.
0: Um, anything else you want to bop out for while, while we're on the Carlin dock here? I would just say if people are interested,
1: um, there are some really neat kind of things you can do. Uh, if you've got all the albums and you've got all the specials and you've watched American dream um George Carlin's um book Last Words uh he did not live to make the audiobook album uh audiobook recording version of it so his brother Patrick has done it and Patrick's voice is so much like George's that you forget you're not listening to George Carlin in that book. It's great. Um, Letters to George uh, or Letters from George, I Can't Remember by Sally Wade is really beautiful book, but the definitive, if you want to know who George Carlin really was book is Carlin Home Companion by Kelly Carlin. It is just beyond. I mean, it, it, because it's a book, it does, it can't help but go further than um, the documentary does so they merely touch on things in the movie that go into great great detail Um, but it's a great read it moves along really well it's from Kelly's perspective but I think you kind of need that person who you know this wasn't a comedy god to Kelly this was her dad and so it doesn't make him look like a shit or anything and it won't take away how much you love him and how much you think he's a genius at all but like you were saying, because we didn't get the personal side of him in his work, um, this is, these are the places where we can get it. And uh, it will help you know where the material comes from.
0: And let's face it, sometimes it's very interesting when, when your geniuses are, are are messes, right? It's not like it, it can make it more fascinating sometimes.
1: Yeah, I, I'm the kind of person that when I love something, I really go kind of all in feet first. And um, when I've lived with material like George's for as long as I have, um, I'm going to can always probably seek out things to help me get to know him better because uh, we won't get another interview. We won't get another you know, book from him, another album. Uh, those days are over. So now it's the, I don't know. But as with anything, consider the source when you're looking at stuff like that.
0: But not for you. You have plenty of content coming out what's up with that (laughs) (laughs) when does
1: this uh episode air let's
0: see like early september end of uh, august uh hold on i could look at a calendar and be more specific if you want
1: uh i don't need to know the day but the
0: 27 oh god i
1: i i should have the movie Jugsaw out on Blu-ray DVD by that point. Um I should have because we are shooting um we're gonna be well maybe not <laughs> maybe I'll do it early September. I don't know. I just know that nude nude witchcraft is something we're making in late September. So I f- future Andrew, I hope you're you're like doing your shit right. But right now, um you can watch our movie Space Boobs in Space on Plex that's a streaming app and or website and our movie Bad Girl Dracula you can watch on reverie, R E V R Y and that is the uh, a queer LGBTQIA um streaming service that caters to um audiences and creators across the queer spectrum
0: creators excuse me <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this one's oral hygiene oral hygiene pod on twitter Facebook. We do podcasts like this and others at Podcastio Podcast yes on Patreon. You can hear some sci fi's talkings, some talkings about them Pokemon, the monster hunting hunters. There's monster hunting hunters. <laughs> They're hunting, <laughs> yeah. monstring. You have to you have to go to the website to find out what the proper names of these podcasts are, I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I forgot what I was gonna say. I don't know. <laughs> say <laughs> say some say something fascinating. The uh, shit fuck cunt. So what was this shit fuck? That's, t- on, that's only like three. Two,
1: cocksucker three motherfucker seven. tits. I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's seven dirty words.
1: Cocksucker motherfucker, yeah. motherfucker tits?
0: <laughs>
2: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are looking fine tonight. But you know what really gets up in my crawl? It's the shadow state and the reptilian cabal. Let me sing a little bit about it. It goes something like this. Big-time phonies out, digital fracking. Peddling their basalts and consciousness hacking. Politions raided indigenous land. Why, for the homeless, they won't live. Fuck the power. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. Fuck the power. Let me hear you say it with me. Fuck the power. Fuck, fuck the, the power. power. Oh, that's wonderful. Can I hear it one more time? Fuck the power. Fuck, fuck, fuck the, the power. i got to sing a little more. Shadow State Italy bet on our parties reality. Frame experts so the smarty, pipeline of drugs Celebry wankers you told us oh, so pretty You know it's baby Fuck the power, it's like butterflies in my ear.